Welcome to Transform and Thrive. Your host, Helen Lee, examines the opportunities and practical solutions for individuals and organizations to transform and thrive in these times. She shares her wisdom and that of other changemakers impacting our world. Tune in for innovative and holistic tools and empowering strategies to reinvent yourself and or your organization and flourish in a world facing different crises. Hi, this is Helen Lee. Welcome to Transform and Thrive. This is the second part of my most heartening interview with Dr. John Gray. If you haven't listened to part one as yet, be sure to do that, either before or after listening to this episode. Meanwhile, for the benefit of the few who don't know John Gray, he is the author of the all-time favorite relationship book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. It was such a great book that USA Today even listed it as one of the top 10 most influential of the 1990s. And amazingly, it continues to be a bestseller, having been translated into some 45 languages. He has also written more than 20 books in the meantime, and the most recent is Beyond Mars and Venus, Relationship Skills for Our Complex Modern World. Be sure to get this book and transform your life to be better equipped with relationship skills we all need, be it with our significant other or in our interactions with everyone else on a daily basis. I was blessed to have received a whole lot of invaluable knowledge and wisdom from John Gray in a one and a half hour interview, which I've turned into two episodes. And I'm delighted to share it all with you, including a great process at the end of this episode. My wonderful listeners, clients, and friends, my beloved soul family. It is meant for all of us to greatly benefit from and was so enthusiastically and generously shared by Dr. John Gray, who has repeatedly appeared on Oprah, The Dr. Oz Show, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, and many other programs. He was also featured in Time, Forbes, USA Today, and People and a three-hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. Enjoy both parts of my interview, everyone. These are completely different ideas from everybody. You know, the Bible says, you know, give what you want. The golden rule is do unto others the way you want them to do unto you. Now, if you don't take gender into perspective, that's a great thing. You know, basically, be kind, be generous, be friendly, be fair, don't punish. You know, these are, I don't want that to happen to me. So I'm going to treat you with the way I want to be treated. That's the golden rule. The platinum rule is between man and woman. If you want to give to her, give all those things, which are non-gender, but from the perspective of you want a male female relationship where there's attraction and energy, don't give what, don't give what you want. I want to go to the cave. (laughs) Hey honey, just go relax. I'll ignore you for a while. No, she wants me to connect with her. He needs time to separate sometimes. Mm. See, what I need is different from what she needs. So if she doesn't know my vulnerabilities, what I need most is your vulnerabilities. 
then she's not going to, she'll step all over that. Like when you complain to a man, you're giving him the message. He's a failure. Mm. His testosterone goes down when you, particularly when you complain about his behavior, what he did or what he didn't do, he's going to react more to that. Then if I was to say to my wife, you know, honey, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. She won't like that, but she's not going to be affected by that the way a man is, because whenever you complain to someone, their testosterone goes down and that's a man's vulnerability. Now, when I get, if I'm a good communicator, I can keep my testosterone up all the time. You know, my wife used to complain about me. I know all I have to do is let her talk for like 10 minutes without reacting. And she'll start looking at the other side of the picture. Mm. So your brain's designed to do that. Mm. Your brain's designed if you're in, if you're in dissatisfaction, that's a, a, that's called a moderate stress for women in moderate stress, blood flow goes to the right prefrontal cortex, which is designed to look at what's negative. And if she feels safe, then the blood flow goes to the left prefrontal cortex and she sees what's good and balances out the negative. So if she's looking at negative, all I have to do is not give her more reason to feel negative, which is give her what she's wanting with somebody who's listening to her. Tell me more. What else? Okay. Is there anything else? Tell me more how you feel. (laughs) See, after, if you feel her, there's nothing more negative to say. Then what will happen is your brain will automatically go to the other side and realize, well, it's not that bad. Well, it's not such a big deal. Well, I know you're doing this. Would you do this in the future for me? I'd really like that. So men don't know that. That's their power if they know that. But we have the ability when somebody teaches men what women really need today more than ever. Women need a new kind of emotional support to create female hormones. Now, in the past, women... We're taking care of children all the time. They had a community of women around them. They had help all the time. They weren't producing huge testosterone in the work world, doing what, what uh, sacrifice, more about doing what your hormones tell you to do. When you're doing that, the problem women would have them if they had too much estrogen, okay? That's the, and those would be depressed women. In the past, all the way back to the Greek days, hysteria uh, only happened in rich women who didn't have to do anything. See, having to do something... <laughs> produces testosterone, doing what you like, doing what's enjoyable, doing what other people, having other people do for you makes estrogen. And we all need to find our own unique balance. And how do you know you're out of balance? You're not happy. Mm-hmm. If you're not happy, you're out of balance. So, so there's many pathways to finding mental balance, emotional balance, physical balance, and spiritual balance. You know, in, in a sense, you hit the nail on the head. Well, John, you're talking about gender intelligence. You're talking about that's for relationship skills with the opposite sex. Then you talk about, what was it? Anyway, you talk about spiritual what was it? intelligence. What you did is went into emotional. I was talking about emotional intelligence is what allows you to love yourself. Okay. That's ideally you learn about emotional intelligence uh, before you get into a relationship. Because if you don't understand emotional intelligence, then when your partner upsets you, you think they have to change. No, you have to change your emotions. Then your partner will change. So amazing. It's so powerful. So emotional intelligence is one thing. And when I talk about it, it's the one I teach. I read the book on emotional intelligence and that's nice, but it doesn't give you the real practical skill of identifying the deep motions, how to let them go, the whole journey of how to do that, processes to do that. Uh, I teach that in my book. So that, that's what I'm familiar with that works. So emotional intelligence, gender intelligence, health intelligence, know how to eat, you see, don't overeat, learn how to fast. If you're a woman, don't fast. It'll drive you crazy unless it's the first 10 days starting your period. So see, your hormones are available to fast at that time. Once you get beyond 
you, the start date of your period and then 10 days on the 11th day, your body needs to make a lot more estrogen. It needs to make uh, twice as much estrogen and depriving yourself of food is not going to make estrogen. So you go kind of crazy at that time. And then for the next third, 12 days, you're making more progesterone. You don't want to discipline yourself. That's like doing what you like to do. What's enjoyable for you to do. Uh, estrogen is produced when you're doing what you depend on. And the other one is doing what you like and another female hormone progesterone. And then after your period, that's when your testosterone levels naturally are the highest. So that's when you can practice a little self-discipline, not drive yourself crazy. But everybody needs to cleanse their body. You know, you have to have health intelligence. All I see is overweight people and sick people and unhappy people. I don't take any drugs. I don't take any of that stuff. I just eat healthy food. In the past, when I traveled a lot, I would take supplements, okay, because my food wasn't all organic. If you're not eating organic food, you're putting toxins in your body, which will which are called, it's scientific, this is all scientific, hormone disruptors. We see men's crisis of testosterone levels dropping every year, 1%. I'm 70 years old, mine have gone up to 50, 50% higher than a young man, than I was when I was a young man. I'm stronger, I'm happier, I'm more motivated. You know, just, this is possible folks, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have emotional intelligence. So I don't blame people for stuff. I don't never get angry. If I'm angry, I take time alone to read, process my emotions, rebuild my testosterone, then process my emotions. If that's health. And so then you've got emotional intelligence, you've got relationship intelligence, which if it's with the opposite sex is my expertise. And because see what happens when it's the opposite sex. If you can't love the opposite sex intimately, you are intimately disconnected with the rest of the world. You realize that see a lot of women, you know, they just, I don't want to be in a relationship with a man because they've had a negative experience of being in a relationship with a man. Their mother did. It's all part of your generational programming. So I don't want to be with a man. I can't be open to a man. Men who have unhappy mothers, they don't want to be with a woman. They have commitment issues. They can't be turned on to women. You know, right now what we see in the dynamic of it's either your mother's unhappy and your father didn't make her happy. They didn't have a relationship. Or to some degree, that's the case. And then you compound that to unhappiness and then you find your addiction. And so we have what's called a porn addiction. Every, every college student, they can't find tests to do, to compare the testosterone of a, of a, of a young man who is doing porn versus a young man who's not doing porn. They can't find them. It's amazing. You can't even do a scientific study. All you can do now is realize that now all, all college students are 20% lower in uh, their testosterone levels than 20 years ago. And what's the big change? It's the porn. And the porn industry is a multi-trillion dollar industry. It's unbelievable. It's what made the internet work. And they, of course, have all this uh, talking points on how masturbation is good and porn is good and it doesn't lower your testosterone. It creates aliveness. All a complete lie. And the only study you can find scientific study to prove what I'm saying is one study that showed 25 year old athletes. Okay. These are men in the prime of their life. Right. And they have, uh, they had men who are in relationship and men who are not in relationship. And what they found is that when, when a man has sex with his wife once a week, what will happen is he has a basic baseline that you measure. Every guy's got a basic baseline of testosterone, whatever it is. Now he has sex the next day, his during sex, it will go up higher, but the next day you'll go back to your baseline. And then 
if you have sex two days later or you masturbate, or you look at porn, okay, they'll say your testosterone goes down afterwards to your baseline. But if you don't masturbate and you don't have sex, but just one sex a week on the same day, you have six days of no sex, meaning no ejaculation for men. On the seventh day, his testosterone will become 50% higher. On the seventh, 50% higher. So I had nine years of not masturbating in my 20s. So already my testosterone was high. You need a lot of testosterone if a man to do sit straight up in your meditation for 18 hours with a smile on your face. Okay. That's powerful test. That's discipline, you know, to go 30 days every year. I, I also will do a 30 day fast on, on water or soup or lemon water. You know, I do various things that takes massive discipline, but that's why I have such high testosterone levels. It, see, this is we talking about life. mastery of self. Right. Yes. Self-mastery. And for I, women, it's more about emotional mastery. I have to say that that's a, see, that's estrogen. It's yeah. ma self-mastery. Ideally your twenties is about self-mastery and actually self-mastery is, you know, they all say, know thyself. Okay. Hmm. Know thyself is self-reflection, right? <laughs> to know who you are. Well, who are you? You're happy. You're loving. You're forgiving. You're generous. You're here in this world for a reason. So you're purposeful. You have meaning. You're supported. You're worthy. That's who you are. You know, I, when they say know thyself, I go, what are they talking about? You know, I'm me. I know who I am. What? This <laughs> is such silly. And then I finally realized what is actually meant. Know thyself is instead of this compulsive, reactive person. And when I am this cult, this reactive, not loving person then what I go is, oh, that's not me. Who I am is this loving person. Can somebody help me get back to who I am? And that's why we have self-help processes. Now, physiologically, this prefrontal cortex, which is the capacity to fully know yourself, doesn't mean you know yourself, but you at least have the part of the brain necessary <laughs> to know yourself. That doesn't develop fully, and it doesn't in everybody, until you're 28 years old, 29 years old. This is a, a gradual development of the brain as you get older and older. It changes. Even in your 50s, your brain can still grow. And I can't find that study anymore because I hadn't found it 15 years ago. It's hard to find some of this old stuff. But that study said in your 50s, what behavior allows you to grow your brain is resolving two points of view simultaneously, which is, of course, why my brain is so healthy, is that I'm always hearing two points of view, male, female, understanding differences. You know, in every tradition you get in your fifties, you're no longer, you're, you're like the wise person, you're the elder and you're helping people to forget all the arguing and the angst and try to understand each other and bring them together. And that was always the elders would do that. And that actually is how you keep your brain going when you're in your older years, it needs to continue growing. Otherwise, anything that's not growing is dying. That's the law of entropy. There are three laws of thermodynamics. If you're not adding order to a system, then you're going to go into losing order in a system. And that takes intention, intention. So what is your intention every day? What's my intention? There needs to be challenges. And more on the female side, the intention to get support as well as to give support. No problem with that. But if I'm not getting support, come back to my female side, which is a magnet to pull in support. It has the wisdom of where to get it. You know, like you get some women who are just attracted to the wrong men. Okay. It just, it could be so surprising till I understood the childhood wounds that caused women to be turned on 
to men who are not available, men who are dangerous, men who are drug addicts, and yet women get sexually turned on. You kind of go, how did that happen? You know, And why do men, for example, get turned on to women that are totally unavailable? That's porn who fantasy. See, we, we as human beings become turned on to fantasy. Now for women, it's a different reason than for men. For men, it's the feeling of inadequacy. For women, it's the feeling of unworthiness. The unworthiness says, you know, I want to find a man who I will change for rather than a man who says, you're fine just the way you are. I love you. I want to support you in growing. And so you have to know what you're attracted to and why you're attracted to it. And understand, don't even think of having sex with a man until your mind, you can be naked mentally, naked emotionally. Then you can become naked physically. Otherwise, it's an inappropriate desire. Not all our desires are healthy. You know, I desire ice cream in the moment, anytime, but I don't eat it <laughs> except on rare occasions, just because you desire something doesn't. And it feels like, yes, that's me. Like the cocaine. Co One of my friends was a, completely on marijuana all the time. I said, you know, you're addicted to it. <laughs> he said, oh no, no, I'm not addicted to, it. I could stop anytime. And I said, well, why don't you? Well, I just like it too much. <laughs> It's elusive, you know, it's just hyper-dependence on weak men and hyper-dependence. So they depend on things too much and they, they don't have that sense of strength and independence and they don't have logic. They don't have independence. They don't have accountability. They don't have power. They don't feel powerful. There's, so what I did in my book, Beyond Mars and Venus, I listed out the states of your, what these attitudes like being logical, you're making testosterone being emotional, you're making estrogen, being selfless, you're making testosterone, mm -hmm. being, being uh, selfish is estrogen producing. See, think, I don't like to say women are selfish. All right. So, cause women are so generous and giving, there's no question about it, but when they're unhappy in a relationship, they come into my office. I say, what's the problem? Well, I do this. He doesn't do this. I do this. He doesn't do this. I do this. He doesn't do this. I do this. He does. <laughs> That's, I'm not getting what I want. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the female side of everybody that says, hey, do this for me. And the male side of us says, hey, I'm going to do this for you. And women have a male and female side. The female is weak today. For men, the male is weak today. We have to strengthen it. And you, one of the best ways to strengthen it, I'll just say, one is self-mastery. And then you strengthen that ability, what I was just talking about by having a, a relationship with somebody who's different from you, where you have to integrate those differences, hormonal differences. And my experience is when a man can understand a woman who he doesn't understand, and now he understands her better, he becomes more whole. When a woman can accept and appreciate a man for things that maybe she doesn't appreciate before, she becomes more whole. For example, women always say men are selfish. Well, those women are often not selfish enough. So rather than judge him for being selfish, think, hey, you know, I need to be more selfish. I need to love myself becoming more selfish. I have a right. I deserve. And, you know, when men go too far to their female side, they are selfish. Okay. That's, that's too selfish. Every problem in men today, almost that I've experienced, it's every man, but I can't say it's everybody because I haven't seen everyone. But, and I've seen millions. It's men going too far to their female side, not getting back to their male and women going too far to their male side, not knowing how to get back to their female. And you can't get back to your female unless you get help. Men can do it themselves if they have a teacher, instruction, using logic, they can transform themselves. But women need someone to help them. That's because estrogen production is I'm being helped. And another form of help that you mentioned 
that's missing in the world today, which could be a major crux of the problem that allows us to go the wrong direction is lack of spiritual intelligence. See, spiritual intelligence says to a woman, I'm not alone. That's the biggest estrogen producer in the world. And spiritual awareness in a man increases testosterone because he feels I have to be a good person to be loved by God. Otherwise I will go to the bad places, okay? So there's a sense of, I need to be good, virtuous, teaches men, you do this, you will be rewarded. You do this, you will be rewarded. You don't do this, you will be punished, or at least you will not be successful. It's the ultimate coach is to believe there's a higher power that knows more than you and will re reward you when you do good. That's what men need to know. And also spirituality says, if you need help, I will help you. Take one step towards God, God will take nine steps towards you. You know, the same principles of, of the highest level of spirituality apply to every one of those other things, your body. If I don't do good things for my body, I will be sick. Mm -hmm. If I can't take responsibility for my emotional suffering and distress, I will stay suffering. You know, this is um, th this is bottom lines. And if I don't understand in a heterosexual relationship, how men and women are different and just think we're all the same, you will suffer. And that's what's happening. So much suffering today that many people are I mean, interested in getting married. They're not interested in loving the opposite sex. They just want to uh, have their own life and not be dependent on the opposite sex. What we need is differences need to be inclusive. And ironically, the most inclusive thing there is on the planet today, which is the biggest problem, is we're not including the opposite sex. We're saying, no, no, you should think the way I do. You should feel the way I do. There are no differences. And yet everywhere else, they're just celebrating. They're saying, this person's a victim and this person's a victim. And when you talk about men and women, oh, women are the victim of men and oh, men are so bad. That tends to be the narrative a lot. Why? Because women don't know how they affect men. They don't know how they can bring out the best in a man or bring out the worst in a man. And men don't know how they can bring out the best in a woman and how with all their good intentions, they're bringing out the worst in her. We affect each other. That's what intimate relationship is. I give up my ability when I'm intimate with my partner to say, I'm allowing you to affect me in big time. That's when you get naked with someone, you open a door that says how you think is going to affect me more than the guy on the highway who just honked his horn at me. I said, too bad. I'm in the front lane. You know, nobody can affect me. I have one person, I have sort of a thing. I'm a fast driver and sometimes people don't like it. And one time I was driving really fast. I was late to the airport and this woman was driving frantically to keep up with me. And I thought, oh, cool. She's a fast driver too. And then she, we're stopped at a stoplight. And she's, she smiled at me like, hey, hi. I roll down my window, hi. Push a button, window goes down. She goes, hi. And then she says some negative thing to me, the, the equivalent of a man shooting the finger at you, okay? <laughs> and I was affected by that. I felt tricked, like being punched in the stomach without, without preparation. So I always took that as kind of a regulator of my experience. So occasionally somebody will honk at me or, or shoot the bird at me. <laughs> That means insult me. And I just go, sorry. And that's it. Just like, I see I upset you. Sorry. <laughs> no reaction at all. No, you know, it, I see some men, for example, if you pass them and they don't want to be passed, they'll do the, they'll try to catch up with you and pass you, you know, is that you pass me, I'm going to pass you. And sometimes I have to say, I'm a little playful and I don't let them do it because I go so fast. <laughs> and, and, and many times I just go, oh, go right ahead and pass. No problem. You know, just, 
it's how we react to life. And we all have our conditioning that causes the react in certain ways. Generally speaking, a woman's reactive is, is victim if she's in her monkey. See, if a monkey can't communicate and you know, I step on your foot, you have to say something like, ow. And if I do it again, you have to raise your voice and go, ow, ow. And you want to say, that's so, you have to amplify the problem thinking that's going to change, but it has just the opposite effect in a civilized society. People don't change when they're being attacked. We need to use your words, okay, not your fists. And today, words are violent. My mother taught me this as a child, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words cannot harm you. And we've made such a big deal out of speech. And now we can't, we're also hypersensitive because we're not connected to our truth. Mm -hmm. We're easily swayed by things. If you say something different from me, I feel threatened by it. And I do feel threatened by people who think in these crazy ways from my point of view, but then I let it go very quickly. And I certainly don't feel hurt by it. And I don't feel powerless about it. Because I don't have to get angry. You have a great sense of self, right? That's where it all comes from. And the real don't. great sense of self is the spiritual, because that's who we are. We're spiritual beings in a human body here to transform your programming to become a more loving person. You, you have that's, that's a, challenge. a great foundation, such a great grounding. You know, you had such great parents, you know, who took you to see. Yoga. I did. I had great grounding, great parents. I had great gurus. I had great training. I had great discipline. You have to be inspired. You, you know, when I tell the Maharishi University, right? Was that in actually I left I left Maharishi after nine years before the university. He oh, did okay. Maharishi University in America came after I was with him. Okay. But I was a professor at Maharishi European Research Institute. That was Meru, was his first university in Europe. And I got my master's and bachelor's degree through that. In Switzerland. Uh, in Switzerland, yes. Okay, in Switzerland. And the whole time I was a Hindu monk at that time. Amazing. Because so, <laughs> he was a Hindu monk. He was my role model. And I, I became him until I found him inside myself. You know, often we look for role models that have a, a wisdom and a competence that we are drawn to. Because if we resonate with that, the part of us that's like that can come forth. But we're not the same as that. Like I, I was his personal assistant. I could say, I could give every lecture. I went to every teacher training program. I taught his teacher training programs. I became him. And his whole thing, when I was his assistant, he would ask me to shorten people's, people want to talk to him about problems. He said, go and talk to them for a while and condense it down to a question. <laughs> so we're not spending so much time. So I became very good at that, condensing this down. But whenever there was a problem in relationship, he would say, I have no answers. I have, I'm a monk. I have no uh, expertise in having a relationship or sex. So, so when I left Maharishi, I, 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 part of the philosophy of a TM teacher they taught you is you can't teach this and if you leave. This is our knowledge to kind of grab their knowledge. So that's their, it's like a cult. All these things like you can't teach it unless you pay us. But I don't judge them for that. That's how these things go. So I would feel bad, but I didn't want to teach what he had taught me. I wanted to find out what was inside of me now that I found that person. So it's so funny. The one thing he couldn't teach about was sex and relationships. That became my expertise. And now <laughs> I, I, of course, I, I, I'm a, a spiritual teacher as well, but I teach through love. Yes. But also I still, you know, every day, four to six hours of meditation. I think meditation is the real grounding inside of me. And people say, how, how can you do that? Healthy hormones. Okay, it's you have to have stamina, you have to have strength to do that and, and practice and you get good at something. You know, I, I literally, 
can't do what I did as a really young guy. 18 hours is a little bit too much for me. My back gets a little sore sitting up with no back support for 18 hours, not moving. My knees get a little sore, but I can do it in, in the bathtub. So I often just get in the bathtub because then it's easier on my knees uh, to be cross-legged for 10 hours. It's just like you walk out, can I move my legs again? You know, that whole thing. So I, I do long meditations I'll do in the bathtub. And I suggest for everybody, and I just for you as an empath and anybody who's an empath, one of the most powerful ways to not absorb and hold on to people's stuff is surround yourself with water. And if you're in your office, have a little one of those little waterfalls and you always have fresh flowers, flowers absorb negative energy. Water absorbs negative energy. Uh, fire, you know, these long rituals of putting things into a fire, candlelight, you know, why do we associate candlelights with romance? Because it, it pulls out negative energy. It's a setting. It's an environment, routines and rituals. They all, where you don't have to think, but you're doing something automatically to uplift rather than all of our negative reactions, which are automatic reactions that don't uplift. So we have certain rituals with intention. So everything is about using your intention. So when you're in the water, you use the intention that, you know, dear God, I open my heart to you. Come sit in my heart, use this water. And with this water, draw out the negativity in my, in my heart and in my body. So it's always intentional. I'm using this water to pull the negative energy out. If you look at the American Indians, they smudge, you know, you put the smoke out into the room. It absorbs a lot of negative energy. If you're intending it, you have to call forth the spirits, the divine using this, do this for me. It's all about intention and request. So if you go to Bali, for example, when I was there, you'd see all the little Balinesian statues and they dress them every day and they put fruit in front of them. That's activating. You have to, my intent, when I do these things for you, my intent is that you bless me. So without the intent to call upon a higher power to bless you, it's always there to bless you, but you got to ask for it and you got to give something. See, that's another message in life. Intention grows stronger. It's really intention, call forth and do, but the intention grows stronger when you connect with something of a natural frequency and intend it to draw forth any negativity and spread light into the room, spread love into the room. Uh, you know, I have friends who, who what he, they call take away the negative energy in a house in order for it to sell. One of my friends does this, you know, when a house can't sell for a while, he said, let me come in and smudge it and do prayers in it, uplift the energy, yeah. wash away all the negative arguments and space, and it, space clearing. And then you have feng shui, which is intentional placement of objects for a purpose. Yeah, It's not yeah. that the, the objects are doing anything. It's the intention that your mind is going, okay, in this direction, I am doing this. And this direction has to do with my relationship. I'm honoring that. So I have feng shui in my house, you know, beautiful, loving couple statue and part of the quadrant of the house for my astrology, which is about love. And then I have my career, which is a big bookshelf and lots of books and that whole thing, you know, so that lots of, you, but what the magic of all that is, it's just clarifying your intention. You're working toward that, working towards that. What, what do you think will happen um, to humanity for humanity in the next 10 years? I think we're all very worried about it. Uh, if you just want to read the book, one of the books, so I don't want to sound like a conspiracy person. So just read the book called The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab. Uh, his organization is called the Davos Group, the World Economic Forum. And what you see is that the richest people in the world, billionaires, 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 all major politicians, 
billionaires, billionaires. Uh, the, the, you wonder, how do these people get into politics? Okay, well, they go to the World Economic Forum and they learn. And once they learn there and they're accredited there, then they get billions of dollars, millions of dollars to support their campaigns for an agenda. So what we have right now is an agenda. So rather than me talk about an agenda that most people don't realize is an agenda of some very wealthy people, uh, I would sound like a conspiracy person. Just read a book by them. You know, give it some credit when you see that um, uh, these rich, richest people in the world are saying the things that they want to do in the next 10 years. So that's called the Great Reset. Now, the flip side of that is what I believe is it's the Great Awakening. Yes. Because people only wake up when their freedom is taken away. Mm-hmm. So freedoms are taken away. You see it all around us now, you know, all the freedoms that are taken away, rationalized, justified, you know, even people during the COVID thing, you could go to Walmart and buy products, but you couldn't go to a church and, res- and worship God. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I, I don't want to, because a lot of people would think I'm like some kind of conspiracy guy. So what I believe is I just listen to what they're saying and I see it happening around the world. Uh, and that is control, control, control. And they have a plan. It's, it's now fully operational. It's the next 10 years where they have a plan to, uh, for example, have digital currency, uh, which can be controlled because we also have this global warming and they can basically, when you use your digital currency, it's programmed. So you can only spend so much on your heat. So you can't have your heat on too long. Otherwise you're depleting earth energy and we can't deplete the energy as if there's a shortage of energy. Uh, for example, simple thing right now is right now, America's energy costs have dramatically doubled uh, right now. Well, a year ago, we stopped making, we stopped our own production of oil. We used to be oil independent. Now, when you're dependent on somebody else too much, problems arise. You know, so I don't want to go too much into the whole politics of the whole thing. But what we, we all know governments are corrupt. Corruption pervades. We have, there's a saying that absolute power is absolute corruption. I think and it's that, all going to be dismantled, though. Yes, yes, it's a breakdown. Everything's being dismantled. And in that process, people are waking up. Yes. To finding that they are responsible for their problems inside. Yes. As opposed to blaming others for their problems. And this is a big journey we're on. It's yes. a huge wake up. Uh, yes. if, if, you know, it's surprising to me how so much of it looks like the revelations in Christianity. You go, how do these people know that? You know, these things are actually happening. So how is it going to happen? I don't know. All I know is that my life just gets better and better. <laughs> and I know that my life has been filled with huge suffering and huge pain and huge loss. You know, it was one of the most horrible things. I, in my childhood, while I have a very functional parents and loving family, uh, it's somehow I shine out and my brothers were all jealous of me. I naturally made better grades. I naturally got more positive attention. Uh, my mother said, it's just Johnny makes you love him more. <laughs> Because my brothers, when I was old, older, we're all older and I'm so successful. They're all saying, well, mother loved you more. And I said, that's ridiculous. I don't know how much she loved the others. And then uh, I said, well, mom's still alive. Let's go ask her. We were on vacation together. And, and she says, oh, I have my seven children. I've done everything I can to show each of you that I love you equally. And then she said, it's just Johnny. He makes you love him more. <laughs> I pull it out of people. Okay, so mm-hmm. this... <laughs> So they, so they were jealous. And so they took that jealousy out on me as a little boy. One time they buried me alive and I'm screaming to get out. Okay. Another time 
they threw me into a fire. We used to burn leaves in those days. You have all the leaves build up and fall and you burn them. Well, they're swinging me, the little kid, right into the fire. I drop into the fire. You know, it scared the heck out of me. Uh, one time they're chasing me to rip my clothes off and humiliate me. Uh, it's just so many things. One time throwing me off the roof of the house. Wow. Uh, another time torturing me, swinging me upside down into a pool. And then I hit the diving board. My my chin bursts open with blood. I, mean, <laughs> I have so many childhood experiences of uh, my brothers. And it's not all the time. You know, as children, we sort of bounce back and we forget it and we move to the next but deep down inside, there's a part of me which is afraid of shining too much. Mm. Some people are afraid of really radiating out there. And mm. uh, I, know, I know for me, that's something that was going on. It doesn't go on now. I shine. I'm, I'm myself. I'm safe now. When I was a little boy, I wasn't. But now I'm safe. I, I have the, the freedom of being an adult. And if people don't like me, that's their problem, not mine. But as a child, you think, oh, I have to be careful. I'm so worried. So I've been through the ringer in my life only to climb another step of personal growth and development. And that's what we're here for. And so the next 20, next 10 years, it's a lot of wake up thinking something is right and realizing, uh, oh, sounded good, but it wasn't so good for me. Kind of like ice cream for me. It tastes really good, but it makes my belly fat and that lowers my testosterone. So I got to say no to ice cream, even though I love it. Some things you just have to do for your well-being. So some things are desirable, but they're not vital. Okay. They're not important, that important to you. So what's, what's unproductive for you versus what is vitally important for you? Because lower on the scale of values is what's desirable. A lot of things I could desire, but won't be healthy for me. And that's the problem today. Women want to be on their male side, don't know how to get back to their female side. Men are on their female side, don't know how to get back to the male side. Don't even think they should. I want to just a life of ease. That's called retirement men. You know, insurance companies say that after a man retires on average, not every man, but if he retires from his job, from work and just wants to go play golf and watch TV, he's got three years to live mm. before his heart attack. Mm. People don't know the power of testosterone for men, not taking testosterone. That's why you don't hear about testosterone so much. They only think about testosterone for libido, which is still, I got unbelievable libido because of the testosterone that's in my body but it's also my motivation. It's also my happiness. It's also my ability to feel compassionate. It's my ability to be free from fear and anger. You know, all those things only occur in men when their testosterone levels drop. But when he has no work, work is a primary source of testosterone for men. When he wants to be to do, take it easy and just do what you like to do Well, you're on estrogen land and you'll have a heart attack. There's no man ever who had a heart attack, at least that we know about, in science and studies, I've read that if he has a heart attack, his testosterone levels are crashed. Now, the way I make that conclusion, there's a lot of studies now being done that when people have heart attacks, well, first of all, insurance companies say they have this, they have the statistics three years after he has his, uh, three years after he retires, he'll have a heart attack. Now, let's say I retire, like I'm retired, only doing things that, uh, I love to do, which is also my work. Okay, so I'm doing my work now, but it looks like I'm having fun. Uh, that's to call it the balance of the masculine and feminine. But I couldn't just sleep late today. I couldn't just meditate all day today. Uh, I had to do what I have to do. I'm also in a committed relationship. I can't just go have sex with anybody. That would be fun. That'd make a lot of testosterone. Fresh skin always produces testosterone, <laughs> just like that. Uh, but I would never do porn. I would never do those things. I'm disciplined. I only 
have sex feelings with my partner. And that's years of discipline allows you to not even be turned on to other women. You can't even get me turned on to any woman. You can show me porn or whatever. Not going to have any effect on me. But with my partner who I've made my commitment to, because you have commitment, you can direct your energy wherever you want it to go. And I have a partner who loves being with me, just like Bonnie, loved being with me, always was happy to have sex with me. You know, so many men, their wives lose interest in sex because men's desire is not there. They don't keep their testosterone up. The research shows women need to keep their femininity vibrant, a man desiring them. Now you look at other lifestyles, they're feminine. If you look at gay relationships, you know, people can do whatever they want, but they generally the average length of them is three years in terms of the attraction. Okay. Now, if I look at heterosexual relationships a lot today, it's three years. <laughs> okay. That's because men are too far. To, we're out of balance. We're not having the male and female energies come at each other. You know, in simple words, you have attraction and passion in the beginning because there was newness that stimulates the healthy hormones. Once familiarity sets in, you have to be able to make those hormones. And what makes it is what's new and different every day in my relationship is she's a woman and I'm a man. And I get that. And when I can take her from her male side to her female side, I transformed her. So transform, <laughs> that's your thing, which is that's right. <laughs> and thrive. So when you can depend on your partner to transform you, you're producing both male and female. And that's the power of these, of marriage and commitment. Someone that doesn't always think the way you do something doesn't always agree with you, but learn how to validate the differences as not a threat, but viva la differences to see how it benefits you by looking at life from another perspective. Well, I think you're amazing. And you've, you've certainly also, um, I think in many ways uh, created a whole lot of balance and wholeness for yourself, right? Even yes. when, when your, your wife of 34 years you passed away and now you are in a committed relationship. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just feel so, if I want to feel sorry for anybody, although I feel compassion, really, it's people who have created a belief system to justify not being in a committed relationship. That's what's going on. That, again, that's part of the wrong thinking. The, the thinking even goes to, we don't even need marriage anymore. That's also part of it. And the thinking goes to, and yes, well, the government will provide money. So your children at two years old will go to somebody else to raise them. That's the, the farming of children. The, this is what's going on. Children need their parents and they need their parents to love each other. And if we don't have that, we have people with problems. That's what's missing in the world. That's where it starts. It takes a man and a woman to make a baby. That baby, whether it's a boy or girl, needs to see daddy's a good guy and mommy's a good guy. And we are all good guys. See, that's the thing. Until we start not understanding who we are and who our partner is and how through behavioral skills, okay, behavioral skills and, and interpreting your partner in a way that you can see they're doing their best and they're doing their best. If you can't see that, you feel like you're being victimized. Mm. I mean, there's so many dimensions to this. We covered so much today, more than I thought we'd ever talk about. No, but you've been amazing. You've given me so much time. I'm, you know, I'm super grateful for that. Thank you, John. And I, I just want to give you a gift. It won't take two minutes and, and maybe not for everybody listening, but I don't know how adept you are. So whether you're advanced and this is this peanuts for you, I'm just want to make sure because some people don't have this power. They have the latent power and they can use it. And when you put your hands like this, this is the awakening of 
your sensitivity to the divine. Why is that? Because your fingertips, your fingertips, if I could see them for a moment, would you just hold them up for a bit? I'm going to give you an experience now. And maybe you've had that over and over. Maybe you haven't. But right now, what happens in your body when you raise your fingertips? Your fingertips is how we feel. You feel someone, you touch them. So if you want to be touched by God, you touch God. It's moving now that I did that. <laughs> you started what? My soul is moving my body now. That's right. That's right. You see, if you, 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 it's all on the fingertips. That's why some of the Buddha would do like this. And the Balinese, they'll move their fingers in certain ways. There's certain things you do. But all it really is, is attention on fingers. Now, if you do Reiki healing, it's attention most on the, on the palm. But if you go to the higher levels, it's fingertips. Fingertips have the ability to not only send energy in, but pull energy out. Ah, See, the palm yeah. is really basically you put, put, put palms on somebody. You're just sending them energy. It comes right. to this chakra here. The right. fingertips, you can actually pull negative energy out of someone. Okay. So what Jesus said when he healed, for example, is I'm taking the devil out of these, this crazy person and putting it into the pigs. And then the pigs went off the cliff. So you move the negative energy somewhere else. Now, what's also the case is that when you pull the energy in, you don't want to keep it in your body. Just as you can pull it in, you can send it out. And the way you, you don't have to send out to pigs, you send it out to flowers. Flowers love negative energy. They transform it, just like you talk about, transform and thrive, and they send back positive energy. Cut flowers, pull out more negative energy because they need energy. They transform it. Their frequency is pure. It's love. So you just... You say, dear God, use these flowers to take away the negative energy. Then you have to feel your negative energy and send it out and just feel the flow of energy. So right now, just going to open up the channels in your fingertips, your fingertips. So we'll just use my prayer. You can have whatever prayer you want, but just go along with me and you're thinking, dear God, we open our heart to you. Please come fill us with your love and light right now using our fingertips. Let's imagine a beautiful flower in front of us using this beautiful, beautiful flower. What color is your flower? You asking me? Yes. Yes. What color is your flower? White. A beautiful white rose. I just want to be with you in the visualization and take a breath in and imagine you can smell the freshness of that white flower. They're so pure, so beautiful. Mine has a little drop of dew on it. So fresh. Now using this rose, Take away our negative energy. First of all, let's using the rose, send your energy. So give us a breath of fresh air. Using this rose, send your divine energy. And now, right now, I feel it in your fingertips right now. Energy is flowing into you. Can you feel that? Yeah. You're calling forth the energy. That's why you have to call forth. God's there. The divine is there. And that's a, in Christian terms, that's the Holy Spirit now filling us up, coming through the fingertips. It's just like a switch, like an antenna to pull the energy in. And then you can start bringing into the whole body. And once you're feeling the energy, and if you're feeling negative, what you do now is you shift your shift. Now turn your hands kind of like this. So you're kind of like saying, I'm doing something different. Imagine now the, any negative energy flowing out of you into the rose. Dear God, using this rose, take away the sadness. Take away the fear and feel it. Take away my frustrations. And if you have lower back pain, you could always say, and take away the pain I'm feeling in my body. Feel the pain, the pain of negative emotions or the physical pain in the body. 
and using these flowers, using this water, using this white flower. We're just going to use that right now. Take away my pain. Sending the energy out. You just sit there like a meditation, feeling the energy flow into, into the flower. And you do that for a little while. And then you can say now, using this flower, send your divine energy into my lower back. Pull it in. Now receive energy into your lower back. Or receive, if you're feeling angry, give yourself permission, feel gratitude. Take away my anger and help me to appreciate, see what is good in my life. And then think about something that's good in your life. If you feel sad, take away the pain of my sadness, my loneliness, my powerlessness. I feel so alone. Take away my sadness. And now fill me with happiness and joy and think about the things that make you happy and feel the happiness and take away my fear, what I don't want to happen, what I'm afraid might happen. And just let the feelings of fear come out of you, go through your fingertips into the beautiful rose and then take back the fear, hopefulness, give me hopefulness and faith. Fill me with your glory the trust, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And then feel what you feel regret around. I feel bad, I'm sorry, or I'm embarrassed. Take away those feelings, those emotions. Let that energy flow out into the white rose. Let it go out. And now send me your positive energy to help me know my true self, that I'm not alone in the world, that I make a difference in the world. And then acknowledge what you're proud of, what you feel good about that you do and what's good in your life that you've done. Let that energy just come in. So what you're doing is attitudinal shifts consciously, intentionally, and also coupling it with feeling the energy going out, the energy coming in. And then you feel gratitude. You finish it up. That's called decharging. The charge builds up. You send the charge out into nature, something natural. See, a natural frequency, the energy will flow. And then once it's flowing, it will flow back into you. And that was the first healing technique I learned in my past. And uh, now I do other things as well, but that's the foundation for it. It's very powerful. It's very beautiful. And now my listeners can enjoy that as well. (laughs) Yes, they can enjoy that as well. It's very sweet little exercise. And that's emotional intelligence combined with spiritual intelligence. You can do it without the spirituality. It still works, but not as much. I like the spiritual part, but not everybody's open to that. And not everybody can feel the energy. Okay, but when when I'm with them, they can. If I'm in person, I can just touch there's it's resonance. You know, if somebody's angry, you tend to get angry about it. If somebody's happy, you see a child who's happy, you tend to be happy. So that's called resonance. And we most of what we learn in life is through resonance. A child watching TV, watching the um, Sesame Street, they test that child how much they learned. And then they have the same episode of Sesame Street and they test the child how much they learned. And in this case, The mother is just sitting next to the child the whole time, not saying anything, just the the mother listening to the story and the child listening to the show. The child learns significantly more just having the mother present. And that's because the field of intelligence around her is woken up in the child. So much of what we learn is through resonance. Matter of fact, that's all we can learn is through resonance. Even when a child is crawling, they resonate with the parent walking. The brain says, I want to walk like my parents. 
and to build the muscle necessary to be upright, you have to crawl first to develop those muscles. So the intelligence of the body says, you're directing the intelligence. I want to do that. It goes to work on you. And so you start to crawl and that builds the muscles until you can go upright. Amazing. Everything. If you want transformation, we have to have the intention and then the awareness of patience to get there. And we just have now techniques to help us get there using spiritual intelligence, emotional intelligence, physical intelligence, and mental intelligence is how to correctly interpret situations as in gender relations. Bless you, John. You've been so beautiful. Okay. Love talking to you. And I know what kind of spiritual person you are and full of love. So I I sort of went off on a few tangents there, but I think it was helpful. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, You're very welcome. um, Yeah. Do you have hope for for humanity for the next? Yes, yes. There'll be a lot of suffering, but everybody will learn from it. And fortunately, those who don't learn struggle the most. Those who learn quickly suffer less. But this is a very trying time. It's just, you know, even like the, the... when all the economy went down, a lot of people have changed in a positive way. And a lot of people have not, they've changed in a very negative way because they didn't know how to deal with the lockdown and the insecurities of their businesses, not being able to run and so forth. How do they deal with that? And And families reinventing themselves. That's right. Reinventing themselves. And you know, there is a place where we get lost in thinking we have to have certain things to be happy. And when those things are taken away, it's like taking a, a toy away from a child. It's painful, but then maybe the child grows into a, another kind of toy that's better for them if that's available to them. Absolutely. And we have a lot of growing up to do. And I think we will both contribute a great deal to support other people to do that in the next 10 years. That's right. And, and of course, the best way to continue growing is to keep sharing what you've learned and you'll continue to grow in awareness. Yeah. Awareness begets awareness. And that awareness begets more awareness. And that's all self-knowledge and then knowledge of the universe through first knowledge of those who are different from you. And that's the inclusiveness. It's just uh, inclusiveness can actually be exclusive, meaning that unless you think the way I think, uh, then you're kicked out of the club. And that's what's being called the cancel culture. I know. And, And this is all regression in order to create pain to motivate us to go forward. Things are going to change, but the more you change in the process, (laughs) you will suffer less. Absolutely. I am most thankful to the amazing Dr. John Gray for the wealth of knowledge and wisdom he shared in the long and stimulating interview with me, which I've split up into two parts. Once again, be sure to listen to the first part in episode 20, if you haven't already, and share both episodes of this really great interview with your spouse or partner, your friends and family, colleagues and others. There's a great deal of truth and knowledge in both episodes, and I'm sure in his most recent book, Beyond Mars and Venus as well. We can all learn the strategies and apply the wisdom that John Gray has to impart in order to successfully deal with the challenges we face today in creating and enjoying wholesome relationships and for all our interactions with others, both personal and professional. And join me 
in the powerful monthly live sessions that I conduct on Zoom, where I personally coach you and facilitate shifts for you. You'd also be given an amazing key to mastery that I call the Golden Globe to help you sustain these shifts and keep growing. Check out transformandthrive.club for more details and join us at the next session. Email me at inquiries at lehighs.com Inquiries with an I-E-S For the dates and times and if you have any questions once you've checked out transformandthrive.club You'll find lots of information there. In the meantime, this is Helen Lee on the Transform and Thrive show. Much love to you. Wishing you endless possibilities of great joy and freedom, peace and abundance at all levels, especially at this time. Happy transforming and thriving. You have the power to do so masterfully and joyously. Thank you for joining me. Your presence is vital and very, very much appreciated. As always, bye for now.